another revolutionary episode of Throwdown Thursday, a proud part of the Dorkening Network, brought to you by Deadly Grounds Coffee. Once you go deadly, you don't go back. I am your hostess with the mostest on this musical ride through history, and when push comes to shove, I will send a fully armed battalion to remind you of my love, Queen Ashes Von Nightmare, the first. And I am joined by my co-host in life and on the show. There's a million things he hasn't done, but just you wait. Hamiltander Alexon, aka Patsy the Angry Nerd. We're on a magical history tour. (laughs) (laughs) The magical history tour is coming to take you away. In case you couldn't tell by the giggles, we are not alone on this journey. We are accompanied by two very special guests. First... You know her as a contributor to the fantastic podcast, A New Kitten Mum, and when she meets Thomas Jefferson, she's going to compel him to include women in the sequel, work, uh, the fourth Skylar sister, Sarah B. Hello, how's everybody? (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. Wait, which Sarah B? (laughs) The other one? The other one. And Sarah (laughs) (laughs) And last but certainly not least, you know him as the host of the fantastic podcast, co-host of Geek Life HQ and the Epic Tales shows, as well as Amalgamania. He is the model of a modern major general, General Justin Cooper. And I do have information on uh, animal and vegetable, just not mineral. Okay. (laughs) Okay. And to quote, uh, to quote uh, Peter Boyle in Young Frankenstein, Cooper Duper. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to go for. <laughs> I, I, equally as fitting. Where um, are you going? I was going to make espresso. <laughs> so, in, <laughs> so in case you haven't figured it out by either the, the preview post that we've posted or by our introductions today we are talking about the characters of hamilton the tony award-winning broadway sensation that recently on july 3rd of this year made its way to disney plus the streaming disney t disney (laughs) (laughs) oh i get it it's disney Disney plus disney disney plus yes disney in addition to disney disney t don't go dumping it in the harbor the harbor the harbor I'm going to show you where my shoe fits. Oh. <laughs> that's what that's what the man in the TV show said. So before we get our our Hamilton on and by the way, I have a our Hamilton on. Our Hamilton her Hamilton, <laughs> yes. I'll allow it. <laughs> <laughs> we have a getting into character question for today, and the question that we are throwing down is what are some of your favorite musicals? So we will start with our guest, Miss Sarah B. What are some of your favorite musicals? Wait, are you trying to pronounce like the queen from uh from from Lion King, Sarabi? <laughs> we we go with that one often in yeah. this household. Actually. Sarabi, yep. wasabi. Yep. Wasabi. <laughs> I like That's that. Yeah. Ah, I thought it was guacamole. <laughs> exactly. It better not be wasabi. 
So that was, that was on Bob's. Well, Burgers. I would have to say that some of my favorite musicals would be Wicked, um, because I love the retelling of the story. Um, that we don't always know both sides of the story, so I like kind of having the spin on that. Um, I love that they made Heather's into a musical. Um, definitely thinking back to the '80s fabulousness there, and um, I'd probably say Old School Phantom of the Opera was one of my first ones that I saw and I was underneath where the chandelier fell. So it was just amazing. And just something that's always stuck with me since my childhood. So that's really cool. What about you, Coop? I was going to say, uh, I really care for music. No. <laughs> um, Newsies. Are you familiar with Newsies? I'm very familiar with Newsies. You mean Christian Bale's first movie? Never heard of it. Yep. Yeah. Um, I like Newsies. Um, West side story is always kind of a great one. Um, and I'm trying to think. Uh, recently, we did a rendition of uh, "Good Morning" from "Singing in the Rain." That was mm-hmm. kind of fun. I, I did that in drag um, right before COVID hit. Yes, backwards you Broadway. Yeah, did. Broadway type thing. So I got to sing the Debbie Reynolds part. I was seeing Kelly. So at the end, I give birth to a little Princess Leia. So that was <laughs> that was an interesting take. But um, um, I'm trying to think of what what the other one. I, I oh, Aladdin was really good when we we saw that. Yeah, um, but I mean, Newsies is kind of like like uh, my my other go to. Like I I love that as like a young guy. So, the Woods was always another one that I really enjoyed. Oh, and Hair Hair oh. was was good. So, and if you like nudity, even better. <laughs> I enjoyed Hair when I was younger. Not so much today. <laughs> yes. ah, that's a ball joke. Well. Yeah. <laughs> so, what about you, Patsy? Well, I already know several of the ones you're going to say so i'm going to throw I mean, out do you i do i do i can give you three that you're going to say right now but i don't want to take yours uh so i'm going to throw out one that no one has mentioned yet <clears throat> south park bigger longer and uncut <laughs> uh, i have the soundtrack that's a great musical well i mean trey parker and matt stone did write the book of mormon well, right, but they, they when they did this, they were like, we want to do a musical, and they made it into a musical. Like, there are so many musical numbers. Like, what would Brian Boitano do? Oh, that Blame is a really Canada. good song. Uh, I can March think the second War. song of, in the movie is a pretty good one. Why Uncle Fucker. One? Yeah. Uncle Fucker, Uncle Fucker, Uncle Fucker. Oh, shut your fucking face, Uncle Fucker. Yeah, no. I was... <laughs> You're that biting bastard, Uncle Fucker. It's the Terrence and Phillips show. Yeah, like they like to do music in, you know, so many of their episodes. And for a long time, Isaac Hayes was a part of that. Um, I mean, that's always a good one. I mean, there's the the three that you're going to mention, I'm sure, at least. Well, I mean, um, I'm going to mention more than just those three. So if you would like to mention something that you think I'm going to mention, have at it. Okay, so I will mention three that I think you're going to mention. Okay. One would be Repo the Genetic Opera, mm-hmm. obviously. Uh, one would be the Rocky Horror Picture Show. So, side note, actually, on stage, it's just the Rocky Horror Show. The picture show was added when it moved from stage oh. to to theater. But I've never to, to, seen to it. I've never seen it on stage. I've only film. seen... Film. Film, that's what it's called. When it moved from stage to film. From that sounds the... a lot more eloquent than... Eloquent? Say, eloquent <laughs> than saying... <laughs> You know, not when they were up on that their uh, theater. Their, I'm talking when they when it was on the talking picture box. Yeah. Uh, and uh, the third one, uh, Mary Poppins. 
So I actually haven't seen the actual musical Mary Poppins. But Mary Poppins is a well, I mean, musical. like it is a musical. The the like film it's itself so is, a is a musical. Yes, it was in the musical. But a lot of Disney films are, are can be considered musicals. And then they make the jump to stage. So you know, like Beauty and the Beast, The Lion King, Aladdin. Um, I'm uh, the Little Mermaid has made the jump to theater as well. Moana. So, well, Moana hasn't jumped to stage yet, but yes, I'm sure it will. But I mean, like Sex Lin Manuel Miranda did the music Buzz for it, vibrator. so it'll probably jump to stage sooner rather than later. Exactly. <laughs> Excellent man. Um, quote there. Yeah. Circa what 1995. <laughs> oh, somewhere in there. Um, uh, we didn't mention Little Shop of Horrors, and I'm I'm ashamed of myself. Uh, well, she hasn't gone yet. Time. She hasn't oh. gone yet. But okay, yeah, Little Shop of Horrors is is great. I've seen both a stage production and then obviously the the film, and both equally like they hold up. It's it's fantastic. I love that movie and show. Um, so some of my favorites include Rent. I love rent, oh. and I. Really Where is the rent? I must have the rent. Not... Dollars, dimes, and pennies. I've got to have it all. Is that a Simpsons reference? Yes, that was when Homer was uh, doing rent, but he was dressed like the Phantom of the Opera. <laughs> so, <laughs> but yeah, Rent as a stage show, and it made its way to film as well, and I think Jesse both are pretty fantastic. What? Jesse L. Spencer. Oh wow! Another house quote. He was in that. No, Jesse L. Spencer um, is um, the guy from um, Chicago Fire. No, the the Esopatha Merkerson was in it. SVU. No, but close. Law and Order, regular Law and Order. Oh. Uh, he was. Oh, Jesse Martin. Jesse Martin, yes, not Jesse yeah. Spencer. Yeah. yeah, that's the house Detective guy. Green. Yeah. Yes, he was partners with Dennis Farina. So, so obviously, I love Rocky Horror. I love Mary Poppins. Like I said, I haven't seen the actual stage production, which does differ from the film, but you can consider the film a, a musical. I love Dear Evan Hansen that came out recently yeah. a couple of years ago. Uh, yeah. Ben Platt was brilliant. And I did what you're not supposed to do. Um, I watched bootleg videos on YouTube <laughs> to see it. Well, it's not like I was ever going to make it to Broadway to see it. Um, not with that attitude. Well, no, no. But like when I become obsessed with something, I really become obsessed with something. And I fall down this yeah. rabbit hole of YouTube videos. And, you know, I was just falling down the watching all of these uh, live performances that Ben Platt and the cast of Dear Evan Hansen was doing on different TV shows, um, like like talk shows and stuff. And I somehow stumbled upon Dear Evan Hansen, the first act. Watch this before YouTube takes it down. So I did. <laughs> and then and then that video led to Dear Evan Hansen, the second act. Watch this before YouTube takes it down. So we I did. Out there is we do not condone the bootleg. No, no, I'm not saying do it. <laughs> uh, what I am saying, though, is that <laughs> a lot more musicals should follow Hamilton's suit, like like ha follow Hamilton's like lead. the same outfit? And, well, different outfits for different... Will you stop it? I did like the purple stop suit. Stop it. Yes. We'll the get into that. Amazing. Yeah, some of the costumes in this show, uh, in Hamilton were just absolutely fantastic, but... Um, 
I lost my train of thought. Uh, so yeah, Dear Evan Hansen. I also really enjoy American Idiot. That's the Green Day musical, yeah. which is so surprising. And I watched the. Um, there's a documentary. It used to be on Netflix. It's I don't know know if it's still there. What's it called? And uh, I think it's called American Idiot or something like that. That would make. Is it like the making of an American Idiot or something? Yeah, something I something I like that. Part of it, yeah. And it went into the the writers and creators pitching the idea to you know Billy Joe and the rest of of the band of Green Day you know Trey Cool and um, oh God I think his name Mike. is Mike <laughs> um, and you know it just follows the whole process of of the 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 making a musical process and it's absolutely fantastic and i heard that they were in talks of making it into an actual film production so that would be really cool that's another one who there we actually almost went to see it because what don't give me that face i'm looking behind you oh i i have a cat behind me yes um so the part of Saint Jimmy is often played by other rock and rollers. So it was briefly played by Billy Joe, uh, Davey Havoc, the lead singer of AFI and Black Audio and Extremist. I'm a huge Davey Havoc fan. Was doing a two week stint as Saint Jimmy uh, on Broadway, and I wanted to go. So this was like a while ago. Uh, American Idiot hasn't been on Broadway in a few years. Um, I wanted to go really, really bad. And I came so close to getting tickets. And then, you know, life happens and things didn't happen and, you know, whatever. But uh, that would have been really cool. Also, um, kind of kicking it back a little old school. Cabaret is fantastic. Yeah. And <laughs> Chicago. Chicago is my all time favorite musical. I, I love it so much. Cabernet. No, it's not. It's not Cabernet. It's Cabaret. <laughs> this is why I need to drink Cabernet. cabernet. <laughs> um, oh, Across the Universe was really good. Yes, it was. Good. Yeah, that's that's a favorite. I have that soundtrack too. Yeah. Well, I just thought of a couple others as well. We were supposed to do our local theater um, that I'm associated with. Um, we were supposed to do Cabaret as our opening show for the summer, but of course, with COVID, that wasn't possible. So. Um, we had to nix that, but... Um, and what was the last one we were going to do that I was going to try out for? Sound of Music. That's he was right. super excited about trying out I'm for the lethal. Sound of Music. <laughs> no, he was not going to be lethal. Guten Tag. Um, I'm going but, skiing. Uh, <laughs> Avenue Q is also one that I absolutely love. Yes. Because, yes. Uh, musicals and puppetry, Sesame Street style, but into like the wrong lane like it was just amazing and i wish you could yes. meet my girlfriend but you can't because she is in canada yes that's where i learned or about schadenfreude a little bit racist yes or you know some fabulous songs like that how does that song go everyone's a little bit racist <laughs> or i can i could sing probably more of the internet is for porn which probably isn't um. good Grab your dick so, and double click for porn, porn, yes, porn. Yes, dick and double click for porn, porn, porn. I remember when um, we first started dating, we were talking a lot about the Heather's musical and um, what was it, the Blue Ball song? Oh, yes. Yes, they do have a whole song about uh, don't make my balls so blue. So Clearly referring to croquet, correct? Of course. 
excuse me, another really great one is Hedwig and the Angry Inch. Yes. And oh, wow. Neil yes. Patrick Harris uh, played yes. the role of Hedwig. I think, believe it was a couple of years ago on Broadway. And he was, I've, yes. I've seen some of his performances. He's fantastic. A little segue there with that. Um, speaking of men in boots, I actually did get to see Kinky Boots when we were Kinky in New York. Kinky Boots. And David Cook was one of the leads and Wayne Brady was the other. Oh, so really? So it was really fun. Um, you know, they were both taking turns. David Cook did a couple different stints. Um you know, eight weeks here, six weeks there. He actually, was he the winner that season? He won American Idol at one point in time. Oh, and then, of yes. course, went into, like, music and stuff. He and then, of course, the Wayne Brady took time. a break from all of his Hollywood stuff to he come out and do that break. as well. So, no, and, um, he was on Let's Make a Deal. Oh, Let's Make a Deal. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Billy Porter. Oh, yeah. That was, did uh, Wayne so. Brady have to smack a bitch? He did not have to smack uh, a bitch. Billy Porter was also in Kinky Boots for a while. Yeah, uh, he played Lola yeah. and Brendan Yuri from the the oh lead singer of Getting Up the Disco. That. Yeah, I so the door down because you mentioned that. Yeah, um, <laughs> did some mention Getting Up the Disco. Because yeah. I remember seeing pictures of him. So apparently, like, one of the things that they do is if you're one of the leads, they gift you with a pair of the red kinky boots. Oh, yeah. And so he was posting pictures on his on his Instagram of the of the boots that he was gifted. So, yeah, it's pretty fantastic. But... I would wear them to church. Oh, and the waitress, I got to see that. Um, we have a lot of shows come through Chicago, of course. But the waitress is wonderful as well. Sarah Borales wrote all the music for that. So that was a lot of fun. Now, have you starred in any musicals? Like, have you have yes. you been a part of musicals? Um, Which ones? I have. Um, I actually was in um, Mary Poppins. Oh, fantastic. Um, musical. I was Miss Lark. I was the nosy next door neighbor with um, Willoughby, my puppet dog. I mean, my real dog. Of course, he wouldn't ever be a puppet. Um, and then I've been in Jesus Christ Superstar as one of the followers I was in um, Sugar, which is Some Like It Hot, the musical. I was also a part of um, Little Mermaid, as well as... Susical. No, I wasn't in oh. Susical. What was the other one? Shoot, all of a sudden my brain just clicked. I, I just remember those. If I think of it, I will come back to it, but at this point it is gone. Probably like Grease or something. Oh, Grease is another one. I can't believe I didn't mention that. Liz and I were singing that the other night at the campfire. Yes, you were. Yes, that's nice. another fantastic one. And I was all like, oh my God, like, I don't know, like. Yeah. <laughs> I, I went through this whole thing where I was obsessed with Grease in middle school. Grease and oh ABBA, that was my jam. Without the Grease, yeah. all you was, can oh, taste is the Oh, and that's another one, Mamma Mia. Mamma Mia is a great musical. Oh. There are like 12 of them. Justin is slightly <laughs> anti-ABBA. What? That's it. Get off my show. <laughs> it's weird that you pronounced it backwards. <laughs> With one palindrome, you won't be hearing anytime soon. <laughs> well, the kids here fight me all the time. It's ABBA. ABBA? ABBA. ABBA. ABBA? I would rather listen to throat singing. Or Gregorian chant music, or you know what? I don't know. Those Gregorian chanters work really hard. They do. So I don't really care for it. It's tough to find a bunch of guys named Greg that can chant like that, though. Well, 
Well, you know, you put out a Craigslist ad or a Craigslist ad. I was going to say it has to be a Craigslist ad. They they had a whole group called the Burt Firstners a while ago, and they were all named Burt. That's good. Wow. Good. I think they I think they sang a song called Tube Top on uh, Comedy Central. Oh, I know that song. Yep. (laughs) I'm aware of it. Are you not aware of Tube Top? I have no idea. It's a bunch of like. Dudes built like me wearing tube tops, singing a song about tube tops. That's yeah. kind of fantastic. With great choreography. It, gonna, you know what? It was I like, um, it was something to see, I'll tell you. Well, the cat is so weird. She's like draped over the back of like the top of the chair, but like she can't quite fit. So she just kind of like oozes onto like <laughs> both sides and like. I was to say if you if you haven't figured this out already, cats are liquid. Mm. Oh yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I sent her really a picture are. of one uh, yesterday. The cat was just like passed out, like with her tongue sticking out, and like where I was able to take the picture of her, just like as a puddle. There's a there's a framed Wonder Woman poster behind her, and it says she can do it. And I sent it with the caption, "No, she can't." <laughs> no. <laughs> Because it's just like we have um, our crazy little monster at the moment who is we keep calling him like he's a little bit like he's on crack or we call him a little crackhead occasionally. He just gets these crazy bouts where like the zoomies, but they're like times ten because he'll zoom somewhere and then he can't figure out what to do. So he like and he really doesn't have any idea where he's going. Yeah, that's the that's the picture. Hold yeah, on, I gotta send you the one with him. I was reading the Hamilton the Revolution book earlier today, which I own and love. Ooh. And um Buddy fell asleep while we were reading. So he's not a history guy. He prefers uh a, a adult young adult sci fi. Yes. It's weird because he has read a lot of L. Run Hubbard, but um <laughs> oh, I'd keep him away from that. That's some weird stuff. <laughs> So, Mr. Cooper, you messaged yeah. me last night saying that you I also did. have a getting into character question to throw down. I do. And I find it interesting that you asked about um, uh, roles that, that uh, like Sarah has been in. Uh, my question for you is, if you were to play or cast yourself as a role in Hamilton, whom would you choose? Angelica Schuyler. Or King and, uh, George III. How about you, that that's a quick one. So that's this is so this is uh, something I've thought of. <laughs> Listening to the soundtrack on repeat for five years. I'm not allowed to be all of them at once. Yeah, I would. I would probably want to be uh, Lafayette so I could do an awesome French accent. Like, oh, I'm French. Look at me. I like baguettes <laughs> and croissants. I'm from to say bonsoir. <laughs> Right? Yeah, there you go. Yes, but can you can you rap at nine words a, a second? I could try. I can't rap a Christmas present, to be honest with you. <laughs> <laughs> Bonjour, je m'appelle Jacques I mean, Travolta. It's, it's it's not in my my repertoire. So uh, oh, there's French. Know. That's French. You, you yeah, you did it. I see. That's that's all I got. So, um, Sarah, who would you be? Because she's Angelica. Well, if you're Angelica, I will pick Eliza. Okay. Um, I do like her character development throughout because, of course, we see her as kind of 
you know, it just seems like she's a background in Act One, and then you realize how much more so she comes into the forefront in Act Two. So, don't she have like the fourth line in the in the opening number? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. And Peggy. Yeah, and I, I myself <laughs> would be uh, George Washington. That'd be my ideal role. Okay, I could see that. Although I, I do love the idea of like a gender bending King George. I watched um, again oh, yeah. falling down the rabbit hole of Hamilton based YouTube videos. They do this thing every year called miscast where actors from other musicals do songs from other, you know, musicals that aren't what they've been in. And I forget the actor's name, but she did. You'll, you'll be back and she dressed as king george and she was just fantastic like i would love to see her cast in that role not that i I mean uh, we'll get into this during the actual discussion jonathan groff is just everything in that role um and the people who have followed him in that role have done a really good job as well but i feel like you know, and again, sometimes you you really shouldn't compare. But for we're we're, we're gonna compare. Um, they, they're they're just they're just not on. They're good, but they're not as good. And I watched this this video this this miscast. And again, I, I should have written down her name, and I didn't. Probably mittens. Uh, she did. Yes, it was it was mittens. How did you know, Patsy? <laughs> Mittens O'Toole, the famous Broadway actor. Cabernet singer. Um, Yeah, (laughs) Cabernet singer, yes. Uh, But she she, she was amazing. She ended up going out into the audience and singing to some of the people how she's going to kill all their friends and family. Like, she was just, she was Probably Adele Menzib. (laughs) Adele Menzib. Thank you, John Travolta. Uh, So, anyways. that's, That's cool. Um, so, so yeah, let, let's, let's do it. Let's do, let's do Hamilton guys. Let's, uh, let's, let's start our we're, own we're off fresh on this. We actually saw one of the last performances in Chicago, December 27th of 2019. Is the date correct? Right. And it was out of, it was out of Broadway in Chicago by January 5th. Mm-hmm. We saw it. Um, I think it was like what the week that the lead actor's uh, daughter had passed away. So it was like, it was like, he had just come back. Oh, he had just come back. Okay. So it was like a really heavy time. And, you know, it was before like everything happened with COVID and and we got to catch uh, front row seats, which is not always the ideal place. But I mean, if you're watching um, where Aaron Burr is standing in, in the show, that was where my seat was right in front and the king comes out right in that exact spot so when you saw it and we'll cut to break uh in just a moment but when you saw it was emmy raver lampman doing the the role of angelica yes oh my god yeah i can't believe you saw that i don't know well i saw i've seen it three times in chicago yeah you do know who that is she is um oh my goodness she uh the umbrella academy yeah she's the sister so not ellen page but the other one she's number two yeah number two i'd have to rewatch it but yeah okay i get you uh, isn't she also yeah. the dick's girlfriend yeah yes yes as of last year yes yeah um so anyways we're gonna take a, a a quick break and when we come back we are going to talk everything and anything hamilton so stay tuned
Deadly Grounds Coffee knows how important your coffee is to you. Every batch is roasted to perfection with a unique special method that brings out the richest, deepest, smoothest flavor you'll ever find. We're coffee freaks too, and deadly serious about our brew. Just one sip and you'll know why we say, once you go deadly, you don't go back. It's truly coffee to die for. So when you're ready to get a little deadly, get online and order yours at getdeadly.com. It's coffee so good, it's scary. Shark Bites, Shark Bites Podcast, it's the greatest show in history, from the Dorkening Network, hosted by a nerd who's named Patsy. From movie reviews to tips on surviving the coronavirus, Shark Bites has it all. Follow us on Facebook and suggest topics at sharkbitespod at gmail.com. Available on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and wherever you get your favorite podcasts. How does a bastard, orphan, son of a whore and a Scotsman Dropped in the middle of a forgotten spot in the Caribbean By providence impoverished and squalor Grow up to be a hero and a scholar the ten dollar founding father without a father got a lot farther by working a lot harder by being a lot smarter by being a self-starter by 14 they placed him in charge of a trading charter and every day while slaves were being slaughtered and carted away across the waves he struggled and kept his guard up inside he was longing for something to be a part of the brother was ready to beg steal borrow or barter then a hurricane came and devastation rained our man saw his future drip dripping down the drain put a pencil to his temple connected it to his brain and he wrote his first refrain a testament to his pain well the word got around they said this kid is insane man took a book collection just to send him to the mainland get your education don't forget from whence you came and the world's gonna know your name what's your name man alexander hamilton my name is Alexander Hamilton And there's a million things I haven't done But just you wait just And you we are wait. back. Thanks for sticking around. So today we are talking Hamilton, and I don't know about you guys, but I have a raging Hamil boner right now. Like, <laughs> it is so big. A raging um, Aaron Burr. A raging there. Aaron Burr. <laughs> a Lafayette long? No. Ooh. <laughs> In France, we say uh, centimeters. <laughs> <laughs> Makes it sound bigger. Put it in age. <laughs> Put it in age. What country is this from? It no longer exists. So Hamilton was something that started, I mean, it, it, technically it started a while ago, and we'll get into that. Yeah, 1776-ish. <laughs> so it's been a while. Um, yeah, it's too bad we don't have a holiday to commemorate that or anything. What, Hamilton Day? <laughs> you said 17, 
76. That's a year. That's not a day. A, yeah, but the, the, I'm trying to make a declaration. Can you even make a, a declaration, declaration of, of independence, independence joke? I mean, you mean Independence Day? Is that like what you were trying to say? Can you just let me host the goddamn show? I'm trying. <laughs> Fuck you. You're so eloquent. I am very eloquent, okay? And that's a drag race reference, by the way. Oh, I didn't know that one. Yeah, yeah, you you should know because you live with me. But yeah, that's a, uh, that's that's a drag race. That's the first time I've ever heard because, you use that and, um, word. Oh, s- s- uh, and as, if you and don't know, and now you know. Yeah. That's my Thomas Jefferson. I'm a rapper. <laughs> he does that. He does the thing. Anyways, so Hamilton's been a thing for a few years now. It, uh, went on to uh, Broadway back in 2015. And most recently, uh, on July 3rd, was put on Disney Plus. Disney Di- T. On Disney T of this year, so more people have access to it. So my question: Who don't have this? Will you shut up and let me get my goddamn freaking question out, Patsy the Angry Nerd? I swear to God, I'm gonna kill you. No, you won't. Oh, that kind of had a beat to it. Maybe I am a rapper. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, anyways, my question roundtable is: When did you first hear about Hamilton, and what kind of drew you to it? So, let's start with our guest. Let's start with Sarah B. Well, I would have to say I had heard a lot about In the Heights as far as Lin-Manuel Miranda went and his writing of that. And then, of course, someone saying, oh, I think he's writing a show about the Founding Fathers and this and that. And it's going to be he's going to include hip hop and rap. And I went, oh, okay. And. You know, just kind of stored that in the back of my head for a little bit. And as it started, you know, building momentum and things, I remember seeing it when um, the Obamas had a music and written and spoken word. It was their poetry slam night back in 2009. Yes. Yes. Where is the first time Lin-Manuel Miranda did one of the Hamilton pieces by himself there that night, which kind of of catapulted it a little bit more into the media. But then, you know, as we got closer to it, you know, of course, everyone's just the minute it came out, I listened to the entire soundtrack, you know, and just fell in love with it. So, I mean, I've probably known about it for at least, you know, I'd say six years. Five years. How many times have you seen it? Three. You've seen three. Well, that doesn't count if it's Disney Plus, but three in the theater plus a Disney Plus. I, uh, I learned about it maybe two and a half years ago when I started dating Sarah. Um, she was asking me, oh, uh, have you ever seen Hamilton? I said, what the hell is that? And then she said, uh, oh, it's this. And she showed me the picture with Mid- uh, Lin-Manuel Miranda. And I said, the guy from House? I'm like, the, the guy from The Electric Company? That guy? You know, and um, I'm like, oh, well, we should rent the DVD and I can watch it. She goes, oh, my swear, my, uh, my dear summer child, um, they don't put these things on DVD. Because I, I was not a huge fan of musical theater, so I didn't know. I'm like, well, they have cats on DVD. Why wouldn't they have this on DVD? So, you know, um, and then I found out it's like one of my, my kids had it. Uh, they had the soundtrack. So I'm like, all right, let me check this out. But it wasn't until Weird Al came out with the Hamilton polka <laughs> that I truly got interested in the music. So, and now I'm a, I mean, I listen to it probably once a week at least. Have you seen the reaction video? So Lin-Manuel yes. Miranda's wife 
with Jimmy recorded, Fallon. And- recorded him, um, his reaction to listening to the Hamilton poker, uh, poker. I keep saying poker, polka, uh, for the first time and his reaction. Like, so this guy has won Tony awards for both in the Heights and Hamilton. He's very prestigious, you know, very, very high accolades. And I feel like weird Al immortalizing him in a song was like just just topped everything like he was crying at times he was so happy oh yeah the weird al is transcendent he really is so what about you patsy well i first learned of hamilton um when i got my first ten dollar bill so i want to say that it's (laughs) (sighs) like 35 years ago and then one drunken tooth fairy night. You ended yeah. up seeing him in that pillow like, oh. next to your bed. Mom, this you tooth was worth $10. <laughs> oh, shit. I gave you $10. I was like, yep. no. Well, here, take these two $1 bills because two is more than one. I was like, yeah, that's a good deal. You ever seen the $1,000 bill? <laughs> Jimmy Carter slouched down on the couch. <laughs> yeah. Which president's on it? All of them. Jimmy Carter's <laughs> passed out on the couch. <laughs> Uh, no, I I uh, had pretty much the same reaction that Coop did, and I was like, like, oh yeah, this guy, he was, you know, I you could see he had some talent on House. Uh, what was his name? Like Alvy, Alvy, something like that. Um, and I was like, man, that guy is annoying. But like, <laughs> I had no idea what Hamilton was about. I just knew it was like a big hit. I hadn't seen it. I just knew that I never would because it was it was so expensive and like. The only way to get tickets to the show would be to create a parallel universe where you already had tickets to the show. Like that was basically. I think that it. was the that was the goal of the show Fringe. Yes, and my favorite my favorite part uh, of seeing this was when uh, Mike Pence went and they were like, "Hey, don't be mean to gay people. Gay people are just regular people." And he was like, "Man, fuck you guys." I'm out. I'm going to go home and have some spicy milk. Didn't you ask where all the white women were at? Come, mother. (laughs) Oh, I can't be here. Uh, There are other women here besides my wife. I must leave. Come, mother. Let us go home. And then then he asked for the execution of all mutants. (laughs) Oh, he's, he's just... He's fucking awful. But yeah, and he he was like, oh, I'm just going to be like a giant dick bag. And just like they stopped the show and they were like speaking directly to him. They were like, Mr. President, Mr. Vice President, you know, use your platform, like help people. He's like, no, I've made it my business to be like absolutely well, no, terrible mean, to gay but they, people. They made a valid point, though. They said, you know, you are here to be entertained. You are being entertained by gay actors there are you know gay people in the orchestra you can't sit here and be entertained by us and not fight for our rights right and he's like you're right and then he fucking left like he's like well if the choice is stand up for gay people and you know be entertained by them or continue to hate them and not watch this show I'm out. Oh, and and P.S. The same things goes for for black people. If you are going to be entertained by the black community and you're not going to fight for their rights, you don't deserve to be entertained by them. Yeah. So, 
So anyways, so continue. But yeah, like that's that's when I saw it and I was like, all right, you know, this is pretty cool. You know, and I I hadn't heard any of the music. I hadn't seen anything from it until we watched it on July 3rd. Like that was my first introduction. Right. Wow. And and oh, wow. you kind of dragged your feet like you really didn't want to watch it with me. But like I didn't I I. I wanted to watch it because I wanted to see what it was, but I was like, it's three hours. But I was like, I figured it would be good. Like, you're generally a very good, you know, chooser of shows, except for Schitt's Creek. But you have not given Schitt's Creek a, a, a proper chance. You have not. Listen, I gave two shits about I it. I am Moira Rose, and you need to watch the baby. The baby. Baby. See that makes me not want to watch Hi. it. It's Catherine O'Hara. Fuck I know you. Who it is? She's fantastic. She's a goddess. If like, I'm gonna watch her, I'll watch Home Alone. N- n- no, no. Like, Side that's note: There were her... five Hollow Home Alone movies. Okay, so one so... of them starring Justin Cooper. You? No, not me. Just someone with my Another name. Another Justin Cooper. Did you sue? The kid from Liar Liar. <laughs> Jim, oh really? Jim Carrey. Common mistake. <laughs> um, yeah, but you you watched it, and I swear to God, two minutes into it, you were like, "Oh my God, this is it's, amazing!" It's fucking great. And I'm just looking at him like, "Duh." Yeah, it it was great. Like just the opening song, I was like, "Holy shit!" Like if this is how the rest. Well, of I mean, the be. opening song is fantastic. It really does a good job of setting the tone for the rest. It of hooks the, you in the, and, the show. Um, like there's not a bad casting. No. Um. Like it's it's really good. Like even the backup people like put a lot of effort into into their performance, even though like no one knows who they are and like they're really not featured. Although like some of the people like play multiple roles, like the guy that played the the shitty general that Lafayette shot in the duel. Mm-hmm. Like, Charlie. Yeah, I always wanted to call him like something else, like Jason. I don't know. He just looks. Like, he just Jason looks like Jason Lee. A, that's a different guy. No, not Jason, Jason Lee. Just Scott Jason. Lee. <laughs> uh, he just has that look to him. Um, like there's just you know a, a few different characters that are like oh you know like you see them prancing around and doing their jigs and stuff like hopping and spinning. It's called around. choreography. Yeah, yeah, that's the word. Uh, I don't. It was invented by Corey Feldman. That's why it's called choreography. Here's a couple other words that rhyme with Corey. Story, <laughs> allegory, Montessori. <laughs> I'm sorry. I can't resist it. Wear a diddly shirt. What do you want? <laughs> <laughs> You're going to be diddly in yourself later on. <laughs> so how about you? So I first heard of this back in 2009 because uh, President Obama hosted at the White House a poetry slam. And they had a bunch of talent there that night. And one of those talents was Lin-Manuel Miranda. And I watched this video numerous times of Lin-Manuel Miranda. And he, like, so there's something about him. He hasn't aged a day, but sometimes he looks so young. Like sometimes he's just like this little boy, and I'm like, especially with him. the short hair. Yes, yeah. So because he, he has a childlike wonder, like this yes. genuine, and that we it's must not protect or forced. And we must protect him at all costs. Yes. All um, costs. <laughs> so he 
just he gets up there and like this this little boy with a great idea he's explaining himself he's like okay now just just hear me out like knowing how absolutely bonkers and, and everybody laughs at him they say well because yeah. it's crazy it's a crazy freaking idea but it comes full circle and i'm gonna get to that um it's a it's a crazy idea but he tells this this story about how he was inspired now originally this wasn't supposed to be a musical he was working on a concept album called the hamilton mixtape which eventually was released but it was released as covers by other artists which was fantastic um but he he went into you know how he was inspired by this book uh and we'll get into that momentarily as well but um and everyone's just laughing at him, and he's, he knows how ridiculous this sounds. And then he starts singing, rapping, and he's doing the first number of the musical, Alexander Hamilton, and he's singing all of the parts, you know, Aaron Burr and, you know, Eliza and George Washington and everything. And then he starts singing Alexander Hamilton's part. And there's, there's a point where they pan over to michelle and barack and they are just feeling it they're just just yes yes and barack obama is at you know when he's over barack is the first person to stand up and and just give him an ovation because you know they they know this is something he's on to something here well they had the music producer he was playing piano yeah well he's um the director the the director director, music director so kind of getting into that so we're going to kind of backtrack a little bit once upon a time and it's still something that occasionally happens there was an improv rap group called uh freestyle love supreme there is a documentary about it on hulu if you're interested it is fantastic now you will see some familiar faces in that group because that is the group that created in the heights now, without Freestyle Love Supreme, there is no In the Heights. Without In the Heights, there is no Hamilton. So if you have no idea what In the Heights is, it's supposed to be a film coming out later on this year. Now, I don't know if that's still happening with the whole state of the world right now, but I really hope that they decide to do something with it and still release it this year. In the Heights is brilliant. It's about growing up and living in Washington Heights. It's a celebration of diversity, which is kind of what Hamilton is as well. It's fantastic. I can't recommend it enough. Um, but the the brain behind all of this is Lin Manuel Miranda. So Lin Manuel Miranda, he did Freestyle Love Supreme. He did In the Heights. He's going on a trip. He's at an airport. He sees a bookstore. He wants something to entertain him while he's on his flight. I believe he was going on vacation in Mexico. And he sees this book. Now, he has a lot of, and this is something that we spoke about off air a little bit. He has a lot of interests, and one of those interests is history. He actually thought about writing a a something, a play, a musical about Abraham Lincoln. But this was during the time, um, I think it was around 2012, when Spielberg had Lincoln come out. Something, some, something like that. So there were there were movies, actual films coming out about Lincoln, and he just kind of stepped down about this. But he was also in the process of working on Hamilton. So he found the 2004 biography Alexander Hamilton by Ron Chernow, and while reading it, he just got 
inspired because this is a founding father that you don't hear about. You hear about George Washington, Thomas Jefferson, John Adams. That was a really horrible King George, and I apologize. John Adams. <laughs> John Adams. Uh, James you? Madison. You hear about all of these people, Friends but you really Jimmy don't. Mads. Jimmy, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But you don't hear much about Alexander Hamilton, and he was just so intrigued by this story that he wanted to do something. And then the wheels started turning, and as he's reading this, he's getting rap and hip-hop vibes. And the relationship between George Washington and Alexander Hamilton is reminding him of the relationship between Dr. Dre and Eminem, and it just kind of all clicked. And so it was supposed to originally be a mixtape, and I'm not quite sure how it made the jump from being a concept album to a musical, but I'm really glad it did because it's brilliant. Well, I can give you a little bit about that because when he was on the vacation, he actually was with his wife and he Googled Alexander Hamilton hip hop musical because he was sure someone had already written it because of the way that Hamilton wrote his way off an island where he grew up. He goes, that's totally hip hop narrative. So he was sure it had already happened. So when he saw that no one had kind of taken it down this avenue, he said, that's when I got to work. Now, mind you, he couldn't tell at that point necessarily if it was going to be you know, just the album or, or move into the musical, but he said he had to start writing. Mm -hmm. That's incredible. And, you know, what happened is the musical that you see today. And I believe it took nine years from yeah. start to finish for it to make its way onto, onto Broadway and become the phenomenon that it is today. Yeah, it just turned into this, like, huge... I just remember hearing people like, oh, I paid $12 million and I was able to, you know, watch from across the street with binoculars. And it's in, it's incredible because it's been a really long time since a musical has been popular like this. And it's almost yeah. refreshing was in a way. always like that? Like, was... Uh, I remember growing up, um, Phantom of the Opera was huge. And that was one of those things that's like all the kids in like chorus and band and all that got to go on the field trip once a year to go see Phantom. Um, was Phantom this big? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. It was. Yeah. At a, at a certain time, it was. I'd probably say one before this, you know, of course, was probably Wicked. Oh, yeah. 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 I remember people. But again, not to the point where it was like I'm paying literally like thousands of dollars to go see it at the I same saw, time. I saw Wicked in Boston and it was Wicked Boston. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I did I did actually see it there. Um I missed out though Steve from Married with Children was like the original wizard and we missed out on him and I'm like damn. Did you see Adele Menzib though? No, we saw um it wasn't Anna Gosteyer either. It was like the I one I saw her in yeah. Chicago. It was it was someone else but one yeah. the seven times I went I'm like, it was a thing. I saw it. Yeah. I don't think I've ever been to a musical. For those of us that did not, that do not have thousands and millions of dollars, um, it means that I spent six and a half hours working on three different devices to try and get tickets to see Hamilton when it came to Chicago. What ended up happening is that you couldn't choose like your seats based on like the map that would come out like on Ticketmaster. 
And then finally, at some point, they released it. So um, one of my dear friends and I, she just sat in front of me and I sat behind her as the tickets we chose. And then when we got there, it turned out that somebody else had done the same thing. So we just flip flopped. But, you know, we got the normal Broadway ticket for, you know, 90 some odd dollars, not $900. And then the other two times um, they've done the Hamilton lottery in all the different cities, which is just fantastic because then when Justin had mentioned previously that we had got to see it front row, we only paid $10 for those tickets. Wow. So it was amazing. That is, that is incredible. And I know that he uh, brought the show uh, to Puerto Rico. Yes. And his it, the proceeds were going to help the arts in Puerto Rico because apparently the mm-hmm. the arts are really suffering down there right now and he yes. wants you know that's where he's from he wants people to be able to have access to the arts because it's so important and he mentioned in an interview that he was reprising his role as Alexander Hamilton and some of the other original cast members were reprising their role as well to make it that much more special and he had I forget the percentage but a really great percentage of the tickets were only ten dollars and then uh percentage of the tickets he and he said quote like are astronomical because we want to make money off of this for this fun <laughs> you know for the fundraiser uh but he right. wanted to make it affordable so that the local people of puerto rico could go right. and see a broadway musical and i think that's so important to you know bring the arts to different places yeah especially after Absolutely. you know the hurricane and everything yes yeah. yeah, so yeah, everything that Puerto Rico has been through, it's it's absolutely heartbreaking and you know the way our government has treated Puerto Rico over the past few years is just it's shameful, it's, uh, shameful and and just abysmal, but um you know the fact that they wanted to do something to bring some sort of happiness and raise funds and you know for a for a good cause is just fantastic but but yeah so that in a nutshell is kind of how Hamilton came to be and he you know in multiple interviews mentioned you know little bits about the writing process and how one song my shot took a year to write because he was just trying to get it perfect all the cadence and the words and I should have written this down but I forget um there are over like 25,000 words spoken in this and you know and and if you think about it the majority of the musical is music there's only a a tiny little bit of actual speaking yeah that's what makes it a musical and not an opera right right um and that's only they did like, say that it would have taken like in normal cadence as far as musicals go that this two and a half hour musical should have taken 12 hours right well some of the like i said yeah. uh, david diggs can rap at nine words a second and obviously <laughs> lin-manuel miranda was like i'm gonna take advantage of this i know what you can do we've rapped together before like i'm gonna put you to work and david diggs was like cool can i be two characters no that's really not how it went but yeah. um <laughs> but i like the fact that they were able to do that where it's like you're moving from one section of history to the other and you had uh david diggs and uh hercules We'll just call him Oak because I can't pronounce his name yes, correctly. He has a very and fabulous name. But he, uh, his parents are Nigerian and he has a freaking awesome name. And I'm going to hack it up because I can't even speak the English language correctly. So I'm just not even going to try. But they always call him Oak. In interviews, they call him Oak. So that's what we're going to call him. He is amazing. Okay, Rieti, on, 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 uh, 
Ona Odawan. Right, yes. Okeria we'll call him Ona Oak. Odawan. So we'll call him Oak. Uh, so getting into the characters of this, there are so many amazing characters. Do you have a favorite? Or I should say favorites. The guy who played George Washington <laughs> was really good. Again, is all of them the wrong answer? No. <laughs> no. No, absolutely not. Because the entire, like, especially original cast is just incredible. It's hard not to pick King George, especially when he comes out and it seems to be the loudest that anybody claps is when King George comes out. So that's that's a hard one. Um, you know what's cool? The... Um, there's this one girl, and I, I forget her name, right? You could see her pretty prominently in the uh, on the movie on Disney uh, T, um, where she plays the bullet, and uh, she plays the bullet, and there's little scenes whenever she talks to someone or shakes their hand, that character's gonna die. Yeah, she's, she's dead. The amazing in in the uh, like she's like the duel and the gun and the pistol, and she's the ball that's following it. So that's that's really uh, a cool character. I love how you picked that up because not a lot of people have. Yeah, she's death. And because the the musical itself is a lot about, you know, who lives, who dies, who tells your story. Yeah. You know, right. they they put death as a character, but they didn't want to beat you over the head with, "Hi, I'm death and I'm going to follow you <laughs> around everywhere." So they put her in the background and, you know, if you if you really pay attention, you know, you you see that, you pick up on that. She's always around when a big moment is happening for a character like a life or death situation yeah very much so to the point where with john lawrence they kill a british soldier and she shakes his hand and he dies next yeah and then later like in act two that's when you have um philip flirts with death because Mm -hmm. she's one of the two characters that he says, like, when I get back, we can all strip down to our socks. Um, and he flirts with death. So it's just, I just love it. It's all the layers. It's like an onion. Yes, and ogres. You're ogre. Yes. I will, I will uh, say one of the things I noticed, um, and I don't know if anybody else noticed this, because I pointed it out last night. I think I might have noticed it the first time, but I didn't really pay too much attention to it. But uh, was it Leslie Odom that played Aaron Burr? Leslie Odom Jr., yes. Yep. Has a bit of a lisp. Yes. And I didn't notice that the first time, but like you can hear it on certain like sibilant sounds. Yeah, but it's it's not when he speaks. It's when he when he sings. Sings. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it, I almost felt like I couldn't tell if he was doing that to be more like when Aaron Burr was unsure about things. Or if it was something he couldn't actually control. So I was very curious about that as well. I did notice that the last time I watched it. Well, I appreciate the fact that he uh, got everyone talking about Aaron Burr. Because I think the last time Aaron Burr was really ever mentioned was in the 90s when Sean Whalen did that Got Milk commercial. Yep. yep. And he was like, yep. Aaron Burr. Who shot Alexander <laughs> Hamilton in that Aaron famous Burr. duel. Yeah, that was um, the first Got Twister. Milk. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. lost. He was in Twister. Yeah. Aaron Burr? Yes. Aaron Burr was in Twister. Yeah, he was the yes. guy who, who had a duel He's with He's lived Bill a long Pax- life. He had a duel with Bill Paxton. Nice. He and was the Twister. You're not a demon, are you? Okay. Or a better Bill Paxton movie, I suppose. I don't know. 
So yeah, it's it's difficult. I'm with you, Sarah. It's difficult picking a favorite character because it depends on what I'm listening to, when I'm listening to it, when I'm watching it, what mood I'm in, who I'm rooting for at the time. And, you know, it, it, watching it again last night to really look at the character portrayals and, and try to, like, watch it with a fine-tooth comb and really pay attention to it. Like, I, I, uh, I, have, I don't know. I mean, I, I love uh, Renee Elise Goldsberry as uh, Angelica Schuyler. I think she's fantastic. Uh, she also went on to win the Tony for this performance. Obviously, Jonathan Groff, Groff sauce, um, as what? I don't know what that is. Groff sauce. It's uh, don't Groff. hashtag Groff sauce. Don't worry about it. I'm not. Um, <laughs> and hashtag Philip Hashtag cinnamon roll. Right. Like, yes. Like the original cinnamon roll. Like, oh my god! And she's just so sweet. She has to be protected at all costs. So let's talk about Elizabeth. Uh, yeah, Elizabeth Eli- Eliza Schuyler for a moment. There's Elizabeth. something, the way, something about the way uh, Philippa Sue plays Eliza Schuyler. There's a sweetness to her. I think there's just a natural sweetness to Philippa Sue. Period. Yes. But she brings that sweetness to this character that makes her so likable, and you're really. Yeah pulling for her in in every in every scene that she's in so obviously she has an amazing voice but her stage presence there's something about her she's not the strongest actor on stage but whenever she's on stage especially when she's singing I can't take my eyes off of her and I feel something when she sings and like I said, there's this sweetness to her, but I, you really feel for this character. She just falls in love with a boy, and that's it. Like, that's her crime. She fell in love, and she just wants to, you know, being the the middle sister, she doesn't really have any responsibilities. She just wants to get married and have kids and live a life. And They actually said that. Hamilton wrote Eliza a letter before he proposed trying to tell her like do you really know what you're getting into like I absolutely have no money no land no nothing like trying to dissuade her like basically saying I really need to know that you know what you're getting into with me kind of thing you know that I may love you as you know as the day is long and as long as the moon is sung in the sky kind of thing but I'm broke <laughs> so, well, and that's the thing. Also, like, I'm a tomcat. But yeah. see, did you get my my letter? <laughs> <laughs> oh, this one knew like that. It's like us, you know. First time we we met, we went out, and I was like, she's like, oh, let's let's run to Wendy's, and I'm like, you can get anything you want off the dollar menu, not to exceed five dollars, and that was day one. So you knew. <laughs> Yeah, no, I know. Mm-hmm. I did this to myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, but getting back to Eliza, uh, you know, Hamilton wanted to marry up. Like, if he married, he wanted to marry up because he that was couldn't the smart marry thing down. to do. Like, there wasn't well, anywhere to right, go. Right, there, there wasn't. Because I'll go home and marry a skunk. He was a bastard orphan son of a whore. Like he's and not a Scotsman. and a Scotsman. Yes, uh, you know, like uh, he, he 
had his ideas and that's it. Not a not a penny to his name, but you know, he was going to change the world, which I mean, he did, but you know, she didn't know that at the time. She just loved him. Like she didn't care that he didn't have any money, you know, like she came from money, but she was willing to just set that all aside and be like, we don't need much. We just need a little, a little house where we can grow and be together and have a family and just enjoy each other's company for as long as that may be. And you knew it was a different time because it was a white politician suggesting that he go live in Harlem. (laughs) on you know that's a that's another thing i kind of want to touch base on too like not only is this musical about something that's revolutionary but the idea is something revolutionary the fact that they had these historical figures the founding fathers portrayed by all of these people of diversity yeah the only the only only white guy was king george I was uh, looking at it today, and his biggest thing about it was um, that it was a very powerful statement. He told he had talked to the New York Times about it originally. He said, this story is about America then told by America now. We want to eliminate any distance. Our story should look the way our country looks. Then we found the best people to embody these parts. I think it's a very powerful statement without having to be a statement. Well, I mean, the line, immigrants, we get the job done, like... But, I mean, it was true. Alexander Hamilton is an immigrant, and he was talking to Lafayette, who came here from France to help out. Mm-hmm. You know? They had to add two bars of music after that because, because people kept tripping. Like yes. They clapped so hard that they kept tripping into the next stuff, and you couldn't hear it. So they had to rewrite it to add in time for people to applaud. Yep. Yeah, which I think is fantastic. But it's such a great... Like, this... Everything has uh, severely quotable lines to it you know if you stand for nothing what will you fall for you Mm -hmm. know Uh, this isn't a moment it's a movement like so many inspirational things and I think that's why you know it was supposed to come out in theaters next year and with everything going on you know with the pandemic and what's going on you know socially right now they just felt that it was a really good time to release it and I, I couldn't agree more because a lot of the ideals in this musical, uh, you know, I know it's about stuff that happened a lot. I'm not going to do math right now. I'm too pretty to do math. Um, you know, a lot of years ago, like decades at least. Decades ago. 244. <laughs> Good for you. Not you decades, years. Gold star. I can... Oh, I can. Oh, I get an A. I thought you were like. Oh, good for you. You get an A. I said you get an A. Gold star. Yes. Because you can do the math good. I math good. Yeah, I can't do that. <laughs> um. So yeah, I think it's uh, an important statement that they're making now that they didn't even intend to make. Yeah, because it was written like he started writing it what eleven years ago. Yeah. Yeah, they yeah. asked him a question in an interview of how has Hamilton changed, and he said um, that it ha- actually you can watch that in that Hamilton documentary on Disney Plus. But um, how has Hamilton changed? He says it hasn't, but the world has changed to where now the message is even more relevant. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, when it you know the the musical first came out in 2015, it it's still the same musical, but it didn't have the same ring then that it does now you know it doesn't hit 
as close to home then as it does now. So, yeah, things definitely have uh, have changed. But getting back into the characters, so I'm just going to kind of give you a quick rundown of who played who in the Disney Plus version of Hamilton. So you have Lin-Manuel Miranda as Alexander Hamilton for both acts, Philippa Sue as Eliza Hamilton for both acts, Leslie Odom Jr. as Aaron Burr for both acts, Renee Elise Goldsberry as Angelica Schuyler for both acts, David Diggs, who is one of my favorites, as Marquis de Lafayette in the first act, and Thomas Jefferson as the second uh, in the second act. Uh, Christopher Jackson as George Washington in both acts. Oak as Hercules Mulligan and James Madison. Uh, Hercules in the first act and James Madison in the second. Jasmine Cephas Jones as Peggy Schuyler in the first act and Mariah Reynolds in the second. Anthony Ramos as John Lawrence in the first act and Philip Hamilton in the second act. And the incomparable Jonathan Groff as King George III in the entire play. Yeah, he was uh, the same guy the whole time. Yes. His buddies called him Jidge. <laughs> <laughs> So I kind of want to go into a little bit the character, the, the people playing multiple characters. So like David Diggs, the way that he was able to, you know, differentiate between being Lafayette and being Thomas Jefferson. So not only did he, you know, change his hair slightly, and that's one of the things I also loved about this play was that they didn't try to um, Americanize whitewash. Well, they, Whitewash is probably what I was thinking. Yeah, I was going to say whitewash, and I was trying to think of something a little more PC to say than that, but fuck that. They were trying to whitewash it. You know, they they let people have, you know, embrace and show their natural hair, and they weren't trying to cover things up with makeup and wigs and everything. Like, they did a really good job of just being like, just be you, but be this character. Uh, So I loved the fact that David Diggs, um, you know, playing Lafayette, he pulled his naturally robust curly hair back and obviously spoke with a French accent. good French accent. And then as Thomas Jefferson, he, you know, lets his hair fly free and obviously doesn't speak with a French accent anymore, even though uh, Thomas Jefferson's quite the Francophile. He spent uh, a lot of time in France. Monticello. Uh, but where's There's always one of room the for greatest, Monticello. Um <laughs> Where's one of the greatest ensembles of the entire musical? That purple outfit is just fantastic. I was like, I've seen two other people that can pull that off. Prince Prince and Willy Wonka. Well, and it's funny that you say that because David Diggs uh, was inspired, like pulled on Prince for inspiration playing Thomas Jefferson, just the way he was very um, showy. I would rock purple velvet. Probably. If I, um, I know this is low-hanging fruit and Patsy left it, but was that his Prince-piration? <laughs> he was Prince-fired. Now, a little side tidbit, which also goes with this. One thing that people have noticed as well is that in the first act, people all have their hair up and they're ready to go to work. Like as far as whether they're going to be you know, going to war or this or that. But in the second act... Everyone has their hair down, except for Eliza. She then puts her hair up because she's now going to work in the second act. 
Yeah, it makes sense. It's like little tiny things that get thrown in that you just go, wait, what? Well, because I was going to say when you were when you were talking about um, David Diggs, the um, Ramos that played um, Anthony, Anthony Ramos, as you know, as in the first act, he had his hair up in the ponytail. But then as Philip, his hair was just flowing all over the place. Yes. Yeah, I think it was. uh it's a, it's a really interesting way to differentiate between the two characters. George Washington didn't change his hair at all. <laughs> I, I I question his Again, commitment to I the character. <laughs> Neither did King George. Nope. He's a Whig. Whig. The Whig party. Cool Whigs. Cool, cool oh Whigs. My God. There's not even an H in it. Oh, my God. Yes, there is. <laughs> So speaking of King George and Jonathan Groff, uh, that is definitely one of my favorite characters. And he's only on screen for nine minutes. Like, that's the that's the crazy part. And he's one of the characters that people cannot stop talking about. And primarily for, for one specific reason. And it is, it is his spittle. People keep talking <laughs> about his spittum. Spittum? Spittum. Sputum. Yes. Spittle. Yes. Spits. He spits prevalent. a lot. <laughs> no apologies for it. Nope. Um, so I can't help it. I'm a very moist speaker. Well, okay, so that's <laughs> that's actually part of it. That's uh, what they said. <laughs> yeah, <that's... laughs> I mean They groffered me the job and I took they it. Who might have groffed a job? <laughs> so Disney Plus approached Lin-Manuel Miranda and said, hey, we can we, we noticed that Jonathan Groff has a, a, a lot of a lot of moisture spewing from his mouth during certain scenes. Uh, they said, hey, we can we can edit that out. And Lin's like, don't you dare. It's fine. Like, it's perfect just the way it is. So upon further investigation, uh, a couple of things. So Jonathan Groff is a spitter. If you've ever been to a musical and you ever sat in the first row of a first musical, you may wet. know that. Um, yes, yes. So when you are in a musical and you are trying to sing out and enunciate, and sometimes you think you're being hell of a oh, way over dramatic, but you're not because you're really trying to emote to the audience. So you know you're you're acting for not only the front of the audience but the back row. Um, you know you're really trying to to emote and get everything out there and sometimes with with diction and you know uh, just word placement and stuff you don't always have time to swallow so sometimes that's when spit comes out uh and sometimes it's just i mean i'm sure you've noticed just speaking normally sometimes you know little bits of, a little flux of of spittim will spew out of your mouth so imagine you know trying to sing and do all of this stuff you know multitask and and yeah so so jonathan groff is a spitter and he has done this in other roles that he's been in. But there's something about him doing it as the role of King George III that just fits. Because King George is known for going... He went mad. He went completely... He was just groffle. He was just groffle. Yes. Thank you, Patrick. Um, I had to take that opportunity. Are you done? I was not going to throw away my shot. <laughs> I really thought you should have waited for it. You'll be back. 
But yeah, it makes sense because he had such contempt for everyone well, below him, so he well, wouldn't. I mean, that's that's just it. You it kind of added to the rage that, and he only blinks like three times. Yeah, you in mentioned that. She show. mentioned that last night. Like he's like just Hannibal Lecter. Stare about him. Creepy. It it's just it, it just really adds to the the layers of his character. And I think that's why, you know, for him being on, you know, on, on stage for only nine minutes, it was all of these little characterizations that he put into his performance that makes him so beloved. Well, I mean, you don't have to have a huge part in order to be like again, back to Hannibal Lecter. He was on screen for what, eleven minutes and Anthony Hopkins won an Oscar for it? Like really? as long as long as you are uh, memorable and you turn in a strong performance, I mean it's I mean you barely see the shark in Jaws and like that's ever, all anybody talks about. That's true. Well, so I think it fit his character really well and like imagine like being the guy at Disney, they're like okay we're going to have you edit edit uh some stuff out of Hamilton and you're like yeah fuck yeah I'm working on Hamilton they're like yeah uh, digitally remove all of the saliva from King George <laughs> and he's like oh and the first thing he's doing is like pick up the phone hey mom <laughs> I'm working on Hamilton <laughs> Disney wasn't like get me the guy that worked on Justice League we need the Cavill mustache guy <laughs> God, that would be terrible. No. And then just no. So well, I've he's got a Fu Manchu. <laughs> <laughs> so I have a question for everyone, and that is, what is your favorite musical number from the play? Oh, easy. Yeah, it's easy. Easy. What Dear is Theodosia, the... without a doubt. Really? I have a hard time getting through the end of that song without getting a tear in my eye, to be absolutely honest with you. Well, you it, have to, like, $25. It literally makes me think of my relationship with my children. Oh, that's sweet. Yeah, because you have, like, 12 kids. Yeah. Yep. Oh, my God. Most of them are Sour Patch kids, but yeah. <laughs> Still counts. <laughs> that makes sense. We're well, a very inclusive family. <laughs> What about what about you, Sarah? Um, again, it's really hard to choose a favorite, but Quiet Uptown, um, really gets me every time. Um, just because of the fact that you have to not only like when I read some stuff about when he was writing and things, he said that he would pace the halls of the public in his slippers and people got used to him being there and he just walk up and down and trying to think of what he could say to try and wrap up the grief of losing a child and he being a brand new father and not like at the time he wasn't. So he was still trying to figure out like, how do I do this? Like, how do I ever say like, how can you say enough? And that's when he realized that you can never say enough. There are no words like, um, you know, there's moments that the words don't reach kind of thing. They're suffering too terrible to name. Right. So it's it's more right. so that they had to, he said, once I figured out that you really couldn't say anything, he goes, that's when I wrote the song in like one night. Um, but the fact that even just thinking about it, I guess goosebumps and just the emotion and seeing their portrayal of it killed me even more. Like I was bawling. It was amazing. I don't remember if it was him writing that song or 
one of the other like really heart-wrenching songs of the play um but his wife tweeted out my husband is currently ugly crying at work and i can't console him yes <laughs> they have the best relationship i love them but i mean I, I i never really thought of it like that like he's you know he's kind of doing it to himself. It's, it's his work. It's, it's, you know, he needs to feel those feelings, but obviously, you know, he, he, I'm I'm sure he has other places that he writes and stuff, but you know, most uh, composers, they, they have space in their home that they, you know, do a because when inspiration hits, you just kind of have to go with it and it, it doesn't matter where you are. So, I mean, obviously he would have space in his home to do that. So, yeah, uh, I just I thought that I, I thought it was really funny at first. And then I was just kind of like, oh, that that's kind of sweet. Like, his, his... I have to find it. He, he wrote he said he was on he was going to a friend's house. And of course, with the transportation system in New York, it's just absolutely insane um, that, of course, he had to take like the L to get here, to get there, to get while well, the L's here. Yeah, Sorry, way. but you know what I mean? Like so many different stations and things. And he said. That by the time he got to the friend's house, he had half a beer, wished him a happy birthday, and got back on all the transportation because that's how he was actually able to, like, keep his thought process going mm-hmm. and to, to write the song. It was just amazing. I was just like, oh, my gosh, you've got to be kidding me. So, Patsy, what is what is your favorite? Oh, it's easy. The opening oh. song. Yeah. It's the opening song. The Hamilton Alexson song. Yeah. <laughs> Just because it sucks you right into the the story, it it introduces you to all the principal characters. You know, it's got Burr, it's got Washington, it's got Hamilton, it's got uh, Lafayette, it's got uh, Eliza, it's got uh, Angelica. Like, like that's it. Like, and that line, and I'm the fool that shot him. Like, like watching him do it for the Obamas is one thing. Watching everybody do it with the accompanying like orchestra, not just the piano, is another. I mean, they both have their charms and their perks, but like to see so many people coming together on one song, just and delivering the lines perfectly, and um, and that's you know obviously that's the song that we played at the beginning of this segment, you know, coming into the break here or coming back from break here. Um, like you just want to listen to the whole thing over and over and over because it's so good. And some of us have. Some of us have listened to the original cast recording over and over and over and over and over again. Um, it's funny that you you know brought it back to the Obamas because when the musical was nominated for, I mean, it was nominated for a bunch of musicals and uh, musicals awards at the Tonys. Yeah, in some guy named Tony kept winning all the awards. Yeah, that bastard. Um, they usually do like a, a a a nice introduction before the cast of you know a play that is nominated for best musical musical of the year. Um, Barack and Michelle they had a video of them doing the whole introduction and they told a story about Lin Manuel Miranda at the Poetry Slam in two thousand nine and how crazy everyone thought he was and now it's it's this and I thought it was just a really fun like kind of cool full circle 
moment that they got to not only witness kind of like the first brainstorming type state you know stage of of that moment but then to to see it full and of course they've they've seen it numerous times as well um but to to kind of see it grow and become this thing and obviously in 2016 it went on to win the tony for best musical uh as well as leslie odom jr won for aaron burr david diggs won for uh lafayette thomas jefferson uh, renee elise goldsbury won for angelica schuyler um, I know Jonathan Groff was nominated. I believe Philippa Sue was nominated as well. Um, I think they won a couple of other like behind the scenes awards as well. It was really it's so. It you're really saying cool. Philippa Sue because the way you're saying it, I thought you were saying Philip a Sue. Philippa it's Sue. Philippa Sue. Like you say, you're saying it as like one word, and it's confusing me. You're like Philippa Sue. And it like it's throwing me off because I didn't know that was her name. And like the first time you said it, I was like, Philip, who the hell, Philip? That's his son. <laughs> well, see, this is what happens when you don't prepare for an episode. I do. Oh. I can't remember everybody's mic name. drop. No, these yeah. are expensive. <laughs> I can't remember everybody's name. Like I don't remember Hamilton or Alexson. That's how tired I was the other day. Like that's what I said. Look, like, oh, it's Hamilton. Like no, nice. that was the same day I referred to the show as Throws Down Thirteen. Nice Throws Day Thirteen. <laughs> that's what it was. That's the name of the show. So before we kind of wrap this up, I just want to touch base on a couple of things. So some of the historical inaccuracies. We kind of touched based on it a little bit. Thomas Jefferson wasn't black. It turns out. <laughs> I mean, that was one that Shocker. stood out to me. Uh, well, I mean, like, he liked black people for multiple he had reasons. a lot of slaves and a lot of slave children. Well, and that's one thing, too. So in this musical, they do touch base a lot on slavery and how uh, Hamilton was kind of a, an abolitionist. But in real life, he I mean, he was anti-slavery in the sense that he didn't have any slaves. But he wasn't as vocal as uh, Lin Man- Lin Manuel Miranda wrote him out to be. He probably, if he had the money, he probably would have owned slaves. Well, no, he I mean, bought and traded slaves for his family, for the Schuyler family. He did buy and trade some for the Schuyler family, as well as when he was back on the island in the Caribbean. He yeah. did some with the the things with that as well. But the sugar and the rum and the things he can't afford. Yeah, so, like, you know, he himself was against it as, like, he was not a slave owner, would have never been a slave owner, Mm. but he... That's... They all were. Right. Like, they all did that. He didn't have land, he didn't have the means. If he had the land and the means, he... I mean, you make a valid point. It's easy to say I'm against something that is not a prospect. I'm for against you at all. driving, uh, you know, giant gas guzzling SUVs. I can't afford one, so it's easy for me to say that I wouldn't. I would never do that. You know, it's it's the same, same rationale. Right, and the Angelica Schuyler a storyline is slightly different in real life because when she met Alexander Hamilton, she was already married. Yes. 
And that's why she couldn't be with him because she was already betrothed to somebody else. So well, was she married or was she betrothed? No, she was married to him okay. for about three years before they met. Because that's that's different. Betrothed means you're just promised to someone. Well, anyways, but she still did go on to kind of have this emotional affair through letters with Alexander Hamilton for quite some time. Yes. Years. Send me a picture of your ankle. (laughs) (laughs) They'd have to draw it out. So uh, in closing, kind of wrapping this up. uh, I did want to just drop one thing because I mentioned the Thomas Jefferson thing. This wasn't the first time that Thomas Jefferson was played by a black guy because he was played by... uh, um, Oh, the, uh, oh, you're talking about Bubba Hotep? No, no, wait, no, no. No, Futurama. Um, Phil Lamar played Phil Lamar. Thomas yep. Jefferson on Futurama. But visually, the character was a white guy. Yeah. Well, I mean, it was a white guy's head. Yes. But. Right. I'm just saying, you know, he was played by. Was he in Gravity Falls in the Wax Museum? I don't know. No. But another okay. big uh, point that was a falsity, falsehood. Just plain un- untru- wrong. Untruth was that Philip Schuyler had loads of sons. He did not just yes. have three daughters. Yes. He had so, a boatload of kids. He had like eight to ten kids somewhere in there. So there yeah. were definitely sons. I believe they, they had two brothers. So that whole like I need to marry up because I'm the oldest and my daughter my father doesn't have any sons. Yep. Yeah, that's that's and BS. That was the New York City is. Yeah, <laughs> insidious. Um, yeah, <laughs> but uh, and another thing too is in the second act, um, the whole uh, James John Adams never fired Alexander Hamilton. Madison, you mean? Madison, yeah. Madison uh, never fired Hamilton. Hamilton actually resigned before. No, it is that. Adams. Yeah, it was yeah, Adam. yeah I thought it, for some reason I thought yeah, it was after. It was, um, it was before the presidency. So I thought um, it was, I thought yeah. it was uh, when Jefferson was taken over and before Madison. See, I get some shit right, Patsy. You don't have I'm to correct to me rem- all the goddamn time. I'm trying to remember. I thought it was. It's Adams. He says he file or calls him Creole bastard in his response. Yes. And Jefferson's like, what? um so so yeah and the whole uh duel sequence the the sequence of events leading up to the duel between aaron burr and and hamilton um so there it's factual that a a duel between the two ended hamilton's life aaron burr did shoot alexander hamilton but uh the timeline is incorrect. So it was actually yeah. years after those, I believe like three or four years after those events. Um, so, yes. Yes. So it wasn't like, Oh, you stole the Senate seat from my father-in-law. I'm choosing Thomas Jefferson over you as my choice for president. Uh, let's have a duel. Like there's, there's a little bit more to that story. It, it you know, drags on for a couple more years, but I think they did a really good job of fitting, you know, these, like how many years of life is it? It's, it's a lot from age he 19 to 47. So I, I was going to say from 1776 to 1804, like, so like no, 20, no, but it's 20 it was years. what, 19 and 76. 
Well, I mean, if you think about it, they kind of start, you know, from the the, the first musical sequence, the musical number, they 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 kind of recap, they gloss over like his first initial years of life. When he meets Burr, he says he's He's 19. 19, Yeah. And when he dies, he's 47. So technically he's born in 1755. But when he got to America, he told everybody his birthday was 1757 to make himself older. Right. So he was, it was basically from 1776 like the musical is 1776 to 1804 if that's when he died so yep. those 28 years yep yep so burger in another uh duel or something like that with angelica's husband or something I like some craziness think He's so yeah apparently aaron uh aaron burr got into a lot of duels but yeah i think i read somewhere that it was angelica schuyler's husband i don't know the outcome of that yeah, I don't think anybody died in that one. Um, but uh, yeah, what a jerk! Right? It was probably like in uh, Home Alone. He's like one, two, ten, and he just turned and <laughs> shot him. I challenge you to a duel. <laughs> <laughs> I demand I satisfaction. <laughs> so, you sir have offended my honor. My last question for everyone is the end of the musical is so like that that last musical number leading to that gasp by Eliza Schuyler Hamilton at the end. It's 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 a little ambiguous and Lynn Manuel Miranda won't say exactly what it means. He did actually say though um because somebody said, "Oh, it's it's she gasps because you know, she sees Lynn Manuel Miranda take her hand and see this play that he put on for her husband and she's just so in awe. And Lynn's like, Yeah, no, that's I'm I'm, you know, flattered that you Deadpool? would think that. What's that? <laughs> but um, you know, uh so my question to you is what do you think that means? Like in your mind, how do you interpret that? Yes, Sarah. I absolutely believe with the sequence of events that are coming through the Who Lives, Who Dies, Who Tells Your Story and the way that Hamilton is weaving his way through the stage and she's talking about how the rest of the 50 years that she's gotten, she was 97 when she died. Um, So she absolutely got twice as much life as Hamilton got out of his. Um, That with the way that he's weaving like throughout the song and she's kind of recapping on everyone and kind of what's happening that I believe that she's finally at rest and at peace. And it's when she dies and she sees Hamilton like meeting her at the pearly gates, if you will. Okay. I that like she that. sees him on the other side. Like when he was dying, you know, I catch a glimpse of the other side. I see my mother on the other side. Washington, you know, that kind of stuff. That's what I feel. Mm-hmm. Does anybody else have any theories? I think it's just her finally, like after doing all this stuff, it's like a sigh of relief, like a release. See, I think it's a, a breaking of the fourth wall. Because they do that a couple of times in the in the musical. But I think mm-hmm. it's a breaking of the fourth wall and her seeing, like realizing that not only is her husband's story being told, you know, something that she had fought for, but her story was mm. being told as well. And that's why the play is called Hamilton and not Alexander yep. Hamilton. It's because it's not only telling the story of Alexander Hamilton, Alexander Hamilton, but telling her story as as well as Eliza Schuyler Hamilton. 
and the fact that you know she did go on to not only try to honor his life despite you know uh, the fact that he cheated on her and treated her so poorly at times you know the fact that they were able to make amends and he lived a lot of life with her you know and then the fact that she fought to have you know the Washington Monument to raise funds for that and the fact that she was part of a group of women who started the first privatized orphanage you know and not only was she able to honor her husband and her son who died uh, philip in that way but she was able to bring up all of these other you know help raise all of these other children and it just kind of gave her life that much more meaning so i think it was her you know kind of like in like a a purgatory like state you know before she ascends and and joins you know, Alexander and, and her son and everyone else that, you know, her sister had passed at that point too. Um, you know, everyone who was, who was waiting for her, it's, it's just her kind of getting a glimpse of, you know, it is, well, at this point, you know, 2020 and people know who they are. People know who she is and people are telling their story. So that's, that's just what I think. I think that's a good interpretation. Yeah. So they kind of pull a Deadpool, you know, broke the fourth wall a little bit, but, you know. That's what Coop said. Yeah. I don't even think that's really like a fan theory or anything like that. Um, I know you're not a big fan of those, but, um, you know, I, I think that's dead on. I think that's like you, you're looking at this and you have that uh, interpretation of how it's supposed to be. But it's also what they've compared it to is Lin-Manuel Miranda to Shakespeare that they both leave these questions opened so that people continue to talk about it or people continue to, to wonder about it. Or was Hamlet really crazy or was he just, you know, playing the part, you know, so people thought he was crazy or well, they you know, different things that, that way. Like directly in, right. in the letters to uh, Angelica, they directly reference another Scottish tragedy that he doesn't have to name. Right. Exactly. You know? So well, because you can't name it. Like that. It was gargoyles. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's Scottish. It was Highlander. Oh. It could be gargoyles. <laughs> I love how he kind of got around saying Macbeth by saying, yeah. you know, the the, the Scottish tragedy, you know, strat strategy tragedy. Um yeah. because there's this uh thing amongst theater people you can't that say, you can't oh, yeah. say yeah. Macbeth on stage because it will it will curse your play you can say the character Macbeth you can talk about it as a character but you cannot say Macbeth as a play name yeah and you can't like like anybody who plays certain characters in the in Macbeth end up like having like weird curses on them and stuff that's so weird yeah yeah. Oh, I got signed on to play Macbeth in Macbeth. It's the thirteenth show. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh. It's on the thirteenth hour of the thirteenth day of the thirteenth month. Jeez, I'd rather I'd rather be in springtime for Hitler at that point. <laughs> oh, <my> <laughs> oh, the producers is another really good one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I still have to finish my uh Mel Brooks crusade on uh Shark Bites. The original is amazing, and uh, the wonderful Zero Mostel, if you ever get a chance, also check out uh, Funny Thing Happened on the Way to the Forum with uh, Zero Mostel. It's a great name, Zero. Oh, yeah. 
So before we wrap this up, does anybody have any final words? Anything else they want to add to it? I mean, I just, you know, when it comes to putting people on currency, like, you know, some people are always like, well, why aren't, you know, like, why isn't Washington on the 100 or the 50 or whatever? It's like, well, because the 1 and the 5 and the 10 are the most commonly circulated bills. So that's what you're going to see a lot more of. So you might as well have Hamilton, who was the first secretary of the Treasury, you know, and, you know. Well, they were going to replace him a few years back. No, they, they were going to replace Jackson on the 20. Well, they had talked about replacing Alexander Hamilton, oh, but with the success of the play and, and everything, you know, uh, Alexander Hamilton has become so popular again. I don't even know if he was ever really popular at one time, but he's kind of a he's kind of a sensation right now. He was around um, 1776. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, Hamilton heads we called ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hamilton back then it was just called me. Ow. <laughs> when they did the play back then. It was the story of right now. Let's yeah. tell the story of right now. <laughs> She wasn't going to join that one. Everybody, no. was, everybody was heckling him. And they're like, oh, and this is what happened. We know we were there. <laughs> it and was last Tuesday. <laughs> That's historically inaccurate. <laughs> I, I would like to say, if you get a chance, check out, I believe it's on uh, bamsmackpow.com. Old Man Ray, Wade, uh, after seeing this, uh, wrote a really cool article I think it was like the top 10 or the top seven uh, lines to live by uh, as told by Alexander Hamilton. Um, I thought that was a really cool article. So if, if you get a chance to read that. Oh, and I did think of one other inaccuracy. I, I might be wrong though, but I don't believe Hamilton and Jefferson had a rap battle uh, for congressional approval of the uh, treasury deal. Were you in the room where it happens? You don't know. The room where it happens. The room where it happens. The room where it happens. He said that weird. He said room really weird. Like he kept saying it. I don't know. But that's all I had. Like, I think there should be more rap battles. Can you imagine? If you get a chance, (laughs) if you get a chance to actually go like the, the Hamilton, the Revolution, the book that he co-wrote along with um, Jeremy McCarter, it has so many fun tidbits that go along the sides with the music and, and different things and stories and how the original cast and such came to be. But, I mean, just, I know I am the very basic white girl and I may not know as much about hip-hop and rap as other people. So it was very interesting to me to see how different styles from different rappers or artists that had already, you know, been there and how it got put into the musical. And I didn't realize it until going back and looking at it through the hip hop rap lens that Lin-Manuel Miranda was kind of showcasing. So it was just really interesting to look at it that way. So I feel like you could watch it through the history lens. Then you can watch it through the rap hip hop lens. You can watch it through, I mean, just about anything, but it's just, I really think it's just a, a moving musical and it's something it's an experience I won't forget. Yeah, there, There's something for everyone. And I would almost guarantee uh, that at any given point, 
there's going to be one thing that moves you, whether it's like emotionally, whether it's like to anger, to sadness, to, to absolute elation, you will be moved at some point. Like if my parents can call me up crying, saying, I didn't know that this was that good and I don't even like this type of music and all that, then it's like there's literally hope for anyone to have an emotional experience watching this. Yeah, I agree. Like you'll find yourself like grooving along to it because it's just so catchy and it's so well done and it's flawlessly performed. So I think with that being said, we are going to head into our second break. And when we come back, we have battle results. We have a preview of coming attractions and some other fun stuff. So stay tuned. Hey there, this is JB. And if you enjoy Tales from the Crypt, then check out my show, Tales from the Podcast, where myself, and usually a very special guest, sit down to discuss the TV show, the films, the animated series, as well as the original comics. So check me out every other week on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, and of course, at TalesFromThePodcast.com. Thanks for listening, kiddies. You're all a scream. <laughs> Holy sidetracking, guys. The train just came off the tracks. Derailers. Be sure to follow the derailers on Twitter at the derailers. And make sure you subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, and also on YouTube so you can catch the episode next week, folks. Same derailment time, same derailment channel. You'll be back soon, you'll see. You'll remember you belong to me. You'll be back, time will tell. You'll remember that I served you well. Oceans rise, empires fall We have seen each other through it all And when push comes to shove I will send a fully armed battalion To remind you of my love Da-da-da-da So thanks for sticking it out with us. I hope you really enjoyed our discussion on Hamilton or Alexin or Alexander Hamilton, depending on if you're dyslexic or not. And thank you for uh, coming back and not necessitating us sending uh, a, a, a battalion after you. Yes, yes. Or, or having us kill all your friends and family to remind you of our love. Yes. So you told you us you'll be back. So. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's actually the song that just played. Yes, so. oh, yeah. you you can't hear it because uh, the episode isn't edited together yet, but we pretend like it already is. <laughs> I was told this would be live. <laughs> it, I mean, it's live for us. Live-ish. Taped live in front of a stu- tapes taped live in front of a studio audience. So last week we had a battle that we threw down. We did. We had a peanut butter brittle battle. Wait, no, that's not it. No, that's what you had for lunch. I didn't have no. You had peanut butter when you came home. I had uh, bologna and cucumbers. And peanut butter—that's a really weird combination. No, I didn't have peanut butter. Um. So, anyways, 
we asked last week, uh, our battle was called Pitted Against. Which Brad Pitt character has what it takes to be the last man standing? And the sandbox was the Ring Central Coliseum. You could choose from Tyler Durden, Mickey O'Neill, Cliff Booth, or Lieutenant Aldo Rain. And we have two winners. So our Facebook winner is Lieutenant Aldo Rain. That is Brad Pitt's character from Inglorious Bastards. Sound good! And our Twitter winner is Mickey O'Neill, who is the character that we discussed last week. The Twitter pitter. The Twitter pitter patter. No Twitter pitter. Twitter pated. Twitter pitter because it was Brad Pitt, so it's Twitter pitter. But Twitter pated. Yeah, I know. That's from uh, that. uh, Bambi. Bambi. Twitter pated. So what do we have coming up next week, Patsy? Oh, great Gatsby next week. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, We have a couple of great guests that are coming on because if you are like us and you just saw the new trailer for Terrifier 2, which looks phenomenal, like that trailer got me so hyped. I am so excited for that movie to come out. And I wish I had money when the Kickstarter was going because I would have given them so many of my dollars. But uh, we are going to have director Damian Leone and Art the Clown himself, David Howard Thornton, joining us to talk about Art the Clown and Terrifier and all things uh, spooky and supernatural. And terrific. That's what I just said. I know. I was trying to like re-say what you were saying. Terrific. Yeah, that that's uh that's amazing. Um I don't do clowns, so good luck with that. Uh, <laughs> and it's uh, you have to really appreciate his performance where it's all silent and like he is uh, he has a background in mime, so it just brings that extra air of like creepiness and awesomeness. Uh, and authenticity to his uh, performance as art. Um, So cool. Uh, So we're very excited to have uh, those gentlemen on. And uh, in a couple weeks, we are going to have some folks from uh, the upcoming horror film, The House That Eats Flesh. So we're excited about that. We're going to have some uh, young adult authors coming on uh, to talk about some of their upcoming works. Uh, it's the from uh, young adult sci-fi fantasy uh, genre, and uh, we got some really cool stuff that's coming up. That'll be uh, through August and September. All those folks. Uh, what else do we have? Ashes. We got. We got anything else? We got some surprising stuff too. Yeah, we're working on a bunch of stuff. We have a lot of stuff coming up, so stay tuned, kids. It's gonna uh, be fun. And uh, don't forget to check. Uh, the Throwdown Thursday podcast webpage, or website, I should say, because I'm adding new women in horror articles pretty much every day, uh, especially some of those uh, ladies that we talked to last week. Oh, yeah. And if you missed our live show on the Dorkening Network last week, you can rewatch it anytime. Yeah. Dorkening uh, YouTube channel. It's on there. And... Uh, we may be talking to some more of those, uh, some more of those ladies and gentlemen uh, on upcoming shows. 
In fact, I know we will be. So uh, stay tuned for that. But yeah, check out the uh, the uh, the website for uh, all these uh, new articles. Uh, the Indiegogo is still going on uh, for Axe Two Grind. So head on over there. We'll have links for that in our in our page uh, on Facebook, and we'll be sharing that around, of course. And uh, I think that's about it. So we want to thank our very special guests for joining us today, Miss Sarah B. and Mr. Justin Cooper. Thank you guys so much. Thank you very much for having us. Thanks for having us. So where can people find you, follow you, if you, if you want people to find you or follow you? I will send that over to Justin because I just follow him. Uh, <laughs> I was trying to think of something funny to say and all that, but uh, uh, you, you can find me all over Facebook on uh, Amalgamania, which uh, Facebook page there. You probably heard if you've heard the show before. Uh, you can find me on Epic Tales of the RPG presented by Amalgamania, a new web page that we have all dedicated to Ninja Turtle stuff, Epic Tales, uh, Epic Shells. So um, that on Facebook or uh, the Fan Tastic, the Fantastic Podcast. Yeah, so you, you just you, dropped. You can your... check out Geek Life HQ if you want to, but it's ninety nine percent dick jokes. And so. you just you just dropped your uh, your Jurassic Park episode. We did, yeah. Actually, it's it's funny because um, I, I was looking, and, and normally I'm like, okay, I don't check to see the first day to see how many listens. Right, that episode had mo- more listens in the first day than like one of my like at all maybe like the weird al episode was the only one that went like with it but we're already up to like like um like 40 something listens i'm like what that's awesome. so it's it's pretty cool so and thank you for contributing to that actually oh you're welcome like i thought that was a fun story from 25 years ago <laughs> but <laughs> um yeah yeah like it's a great show um i do appreciate you playing my uh, mythical meats ads as well Oh yeah, that the epic tales where we uh, we talk about um, tabletop games. Our, our latest issue or episode, um, we talked about this RPG called Kids with Bikes, mm. which is very similar to like a uh, Stranger Things type thing. Yeah, so that's what I think. That's kind of fun. You have to rescue and, uh, your the friends new show, from the show, Epic Tales from the Sewers. We are going through the comic books uh, issue by issue for Ninja Turtles. I have one signed by uh, Peter Laird in the other room. Like, I that's think a the, tough. That's a tough one to get, actually, because he doesn't sign a lot of stuff anymore. I think it's the graphic novel, like the the thick one that has all the Krang people in it. I think I'd have to look, but yeah. So thank you for uh, joining us, Sarah. Do you have any uh, social media where you like to be followed? No, that's fine. No. She wants you to go check out Hamilton on Disney Plus and um, and not- the Doctor Pimple Popper episode on the Fantastic Podcast <laughs> because Ashes and I are both featured on that, and it's a pretty great episode. And it's a great episode. It's yeah. goopy. What? It's goopy. It, it's a it's a very uh, very pus filled episode. There's tough. a lot of bodily fluids involved. All right. It was tough. <laughs> It was tough squeezing everybody in there, but uh... I, asked her, I asked her what she wanted for her episode, and this was the first thing that came out. And I was like, "You don't want to do Hamilton?" She's like, "No, Doctor Pimple Pop." I was like, "Okay." I said, "Nobody else has talked about it. Let's do this." 
I mean, speaking of of falling down a rabbit hole of YouTube videos, it is very easy to just get so engrossed in these videos. And I don't know what it is about watching them when you can't sleep, when it's like three o'clock in the morning. It is so therapeutic. There is something about it. And I don't know if it's her bedside manner or 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 what it is like i i don't get it but it is so cathartic and i know like a lot of uh the comments in the uh on her on her uh videos are like the same thing they're like it's 5 a.m i can't sleep and and this just puts me at ease like it it helps you know this calms me down yeah yeah i don't know what it is it's just it's so uh you just got to be careful though because if you get down that rabbit hole eventually you're going to get to that that awful video of the vet removing the the bot flies from the oh see that's something i cannot do no no stick to her chance bot flies are different and i i I couldn't get through the episode you know (laughs) yeah yeah i i i I i'm saying you have to be careful Well, i was saying like i found one of those videos before and i thought it was gonna throw up like i after watching all of these gory 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 videos that was the one that made me think i was gonna throw up yeah yeah nope thank you move on nope Uh, i don't do things that live underneath your skin nope 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 like your skeleton (laughs) no don't do that either so all right well thank you guys for joining us and uh, i think with that being said we will see see you you next thursday. thursday i am not throwing away my shot I am not throwing away my shot Hey yo, I'm just like my country I'm young, scrappy, and hungry And I'm not throwing away my shot I'ma get a scholarship to King's College I probably shouldn't brag But dag, I'm amazed and astonished The problem is I got a lot of brains But no polish I gotta holler just to be heard With every word I drop knowledge I'm a diamond in the rough A shiny piece of coal Trying to reach my goal My power of speech Unimpeachable Only 19 But my mind is older These New York City streets get cold I shoulder every bird in every disadvantage